Welcome to the world of fashion, where any and everything is possible, where nothing is something and something is everything. Join me, your host, Aisha Go, on this journey as we explore and discuss topics, areas of concern, and issues in the fashion industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seems Real, the fashion podcast that explores and discusses, um, almost forgot what my spiel is, oh, okay, that explores and discusses topics, areas of concerns, and issues all pertaining to the fashion industry. I am Aisha Go, and welcome back. I know it's been a little while since I've recorded an episode of this podcast, but I am back, so sorry about that, but... I hope in a time that I haven't been there and that I've been missing that you got to catch up on some of the other episodes that I've done with some um, topics that are still really relevant today, including the episode I did talking about changes within um, creative directors and artistic direction for fashion houses, especially since um, we continue to hear about more and more changes, people that are leaving fashion houses that they have been at for some time and all this other change going on. But again, I hope you got a chance to listen to some of those previous episodes and got to enjoy them and digest them and think a little bit more about what's currently going on. And since we last spoke, there's been a lot of news that's been happening. So um, Louis Vuitton did their um, their cruise collection in Brazil, which got people to, to talk a lot about what's going on um, within developing countries and other countries outside of North America when it comes to capitalism, specifically fashion capitalism capitalism excuse me a little bit of a tongue twister there but talking about fashion capitalism and how the fashion industry is profiting and going to certain countries and are um again making a profit off of them um not only in regards to their resources but what the countries offer and some critics and even some locals of these countries that are being um, visited by the fashion world and are getting a little more notoriety because of the fashion world. They see the changes that are going on as well, not only just in Brazil, but also in places like Cuba, which recently had its embargo lifted, and now there are various cruise ships that are going there. People are taking trips there. Um, There's a lot going on um, globally in regards to, again, these countries and uh, who's profiting off of them and um, locals and residents within some of these countries have voiced their complaints and their their curiosity as to what does this mean for them and the future of the places that they know and love. Uh, it was also announced that the next H&M designer collaboration will be Kenzo and that will be debuting this fall, November 3rd, I believe the date is. So make sure you save the date. And if you have to save up some money, do that as well. The collections generally do um, go online and the public could see them about like a week or two into when they will actually be in stores. So you'll get a chance to look at some of those collections. And you never know, you may even get a little peek at it depending on what celebrities are wearing it and who has early access to it as we saw last year with the Balmain collection. 
Um, what else is going on? Beyonce, my favorite, favorite, favorite. She was awarded the 2016 CFDA Style Icon of the Award. Um, Style Icon of the Year Award. And I'm so happy that she received that. Um, Beyonce has been someone that I've looked up to for a very long time. We see how her style has changed and evolved. And even with the projects that she does, whether it's a visual album or her tours, her concerts, her music videos, you always see this different sort of style that she adds to um the fashion industry and how she makes it all cohesive with her brand and everything is just you know collectively um it looks extremely well so i'm extremely happy to hear that she won that award especially with the visual album that she put out this year lemonade i think it's truly amazing both lyrically both um artistically looking at it it's just great and she looked amazing in that Givenchy outfit i love 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 that wide brim hat i need one in my life very soon and i also like the fact too that in my opinion her her black suit, which was studded in rhinestones, was a little tribute and homage to Michael Jackson in the Rock With You video, which was all blinged out as well. But those are just a few things that have been happening in the fashion world since I last done it, last did an episode. And I know there's much more that it have, have happened. But I do want to get into today's episode because this is something that we've seen happening for a while and um i think that there are a lot of underlying themes and underlying um concepts that get touched on sort of but i kind of want to bring it all in and bring it to today's conversation and i want you all to participate in this conversation as well as usual as i do with every episode but um I'm really interested in discussing this week's episode also because it ties into another industry that I'm very passionate about that I feel strongly about and one that's currently under fire for some of the like that's currently under fire and receiving a lot of public scrutiny because of what's currently going on in society and they are currently taking the blame and I'll stop speaking in codes and riddles and just spit it out already because I know you're probably like, what is she talking about? Um, today we're going to be talking about streetwear and how streetwear is transforming and changing some brands that were formerly a little more traditional and targeted um, definitely to a different demographic. But then we're also going to be talking about streetwear culture and hip-hop because those two seem to go in tandem with one another and how hip-hop is in, continues to influence the fashion industry on a daily basis. And um, the reason why I said hip-hop is currently going through a lot of public scrutiny is because some, some uh, violent acts and things that are going on in the news continues to be um the blame is put on hip-hop music saying that the lyrics make people do these things and it it presents a negative connotation of life and what people should be doing so um it's a just from that little brief synopsis i can already tell that there's a lot to talk about and i know that i might go off on some tangents and i might be trying to make collect um connections with certain things that might not be collect connected but let's get straight into it so this week's episode was inspired by an article on business of fashion which i love business of fashion i they do a great and amazing job with creating um articles that really make you think let you know articles that are informative educational let you know what's going on in the industry um aside from just the trends and you know the what to wears but it gives you a really great 
um, insight and in-depth understanding of the business and logistical and operational side of fashion. So, again, this week's episode is inspired by a BOF article titled The Outdoor Quote-Unquote Dad Brands Tapping Urban Youth, and this was by Christopher Morency. Now, in this article, they talk about um, dad, quote-unquote dad brands, and the term dad brands just refers to brands that were catered to older men that are used to being outdoors, so really outdoorsy people, um, people that are in the woods, that are doing things that are, he- uh, that are deeply engulfed in nature, so like, um, brands like the North Face, brands like Columbia, um, brands like Canada Goose. So all these brands where, you know, men would typically be wearing really big puffy goose down jackets or, you know, they're the really um thick boots that are good for resistance and hiking. So that's what they mean by dad brands. Those again brands that are catered towards the older man that's outdoors, spending time in the woods, spending time in nature, the ones that are hiking, the ones that are skiing, the ones that are doing all these things. And an article talks about how urban youth so the young kids, the ones that are, I want to say, um, maybe between like 15 to early 30s, like 15 to 35, that have taken this quote unquote, these quote unquote dad brands and these um, um, notable dad type labels and have incorporated them in the streetwear and how these brands noticed that was going on and began to collaborate with some of these, you know, streetwear um, empires and giants when it comes to clothing. So, for example, um, oops, sorry, get my notes together. Okay, so for example, North Face actually teamed up with Supreme, which is a really huge big street name streetwear uh, fashion label that they create all types of stuff from caps to t-shirts socks you name it they have it they make it really funky they make it cool they make it relevant to currently what's going on supreme also has a pretty good i'm gonna say um skateboard culture to it as well which ties into streetwear a little bit depending on the context and the way you use it um i do want to acknowledge that streetwear and when they say urban it doesn't always mean and i will say this and i know people might get mad it doesn't always mean black it doesn't always mean african-american even though that's the connotation and the presentation that the media often portrays and makes you think about when you say urban but um skateboard culture is definitely heavily ingrained in streetwear and you see that with um supreme but okay so going back to my original thought and my original statement back in 2007 north face launched its first outerwear collaboration with supreme which um started a decade ago and has continued on and has con- and has been quite successful um they're currently in their 17th season with their partnership of working together with the streetwear label and creating clothing that still capture their basics and foundation but catering to a different audience catering to a younger audience and it seems as though this tactic has been very useful and very helpful to north face because according to research firm we connect back in 2014 north face um targeted to this urban streetwear culture and it's their value mark 
their value and how much the company was worth and bought in was totaled at $75 billion. Wow. Now, the article didn't necessarily state what North Face was at prior to this collaboration with Supreme, but $75 billion for um, a brand that tried something new and found a different demographic and different audience to tap into. Um, that's a huge, huge, huge amount of money, definitely profitable. And you can tell it's something that's profitable and something that worked out because they still are continuing to work with Supreme. Again, they are in their 17th consecutive season of collaboration with them. And North Face isn't the first company to find that collaborating with a streetwear brand is helpful. Canada Goose has worked with Drake's OVO label. Um, Columbia also collaborated with Ronnie Fegg, which is who is founder of a New York streetwear store, um, Keith, which is K-I-T-H. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. So as we see, North Face, um, I don't want to say started it off, but North Face made it a little more visible about how powerful and strong the youth is, specifically when it comes to streetwear culture and streetwear fashion, and that it was a market that they can tap into, which, again, ended up being very profitable with their earnings being $75 billion in 2014. And other companies started to see this also and teamed up with some brands, some some young brands that they felt as though they can have a good partnership and collaboration with. And I just want to start off right there, stop right there and say that this is great. It's great to see that more traditional um, brands can see the power and the strength with the youth and the strength with change in particular and see that change is something that can be embraced. There are ways to, to partner and collaborate collaborate with newer companies and still be able to add value to each other while not necessarily hindering your brand and taking anything away. So I think a key takeaway from this is the strength and power of collaboration and partnerships, especially when the partner might not be your typical partner. The partner is um, a brand that is a little different from you, but still, again, you come together and you find a way to work, make it work. I think that is great. And again, I think that oftentimes, um, I know my mother says this to me a lot about myself and um, the rest of the millennials out there. We do oftentimes get a lot of flack and people tell us about, you know, um, how we're not focused and we're too focused on the internet and social media and all these other things but it is good to see older companies and more traditional companies embrace what we like and what we're currently doing I think that we're at a really good space and also we show the power that we have as the younger generation a newer generation and I think we do add a new perspective and dynamic as to how some of these companies um their behavior their actions because they've been on this traditional trajectory for so long and haven't wanted to embrace change and now we're kind of forcing them out of their shell to embrace change and again I think it's great that um a company as lucrative and you know a company that's been established for a very long time like Columbia can team up with a, a, a small store in New York or a store that's you know uh, I don't want to say cult as in like you know bad following but a store that's that's small but it's like really popular and um, has gained a lot of traction so I think that, that is great 
Um, and I think, and not I think, I know that these companies are starting to see it as well. Jen Chu, who is head of marketing at um, Painfield, was which Penfield, oops, sorry, Penfield, which is another company that is quote unquote a dad brand, dad sportswear. Um, he stated this, and I want to read it because I think it's very powerful and it speaks to the again the power of collaboration and also what the current generation is doing. Um, Jean said, it's the younger consumer with whom we can experiment while is still being able to fall back on our classic on our classic sales, which generate the most revenue and are derived from our clouds, classic outdoorsy customer who is looking for the heritage product. Now, this statement is powerful because it's saying that with these collaborations, not only are they able to give the youth um a breath of fresh air with the products that they're creating through these collaborations, but they can also cater to the audience that has been loyal to them and the demographic that has continued to buy from them with some of these classic looks. And me, as someone that's in fashion and also within hip-hop, I know those classic styles, believe it or not, are very popular when it comes to to the youth and what they're wearing with their fashion. So I know when Macklemore put out Thrift Shop, and even before then, it was really big to wear vintage pieces. So, you know, like, throwbacks that people could not find anywhere. They were, like, hidden gems. They were jewels. They were something that showed how unique you were and also definitely showed how how fly you were and how fly you could get. And an artist that um, I think doesn't get enough credit for this, but someone that definitely perpetuates this and someone that continues the you know, continues that on of embracing certain brands like the dad brands. He definitely does. But then also, not only the newer version of the dad brands, but the older, more traditional version of the dad brands too, while making it classic, but still having it be young and youthful is fabulous, who, in my opinion, is one of the most stylish men out there to date. Um, I think, and I know he's coined himself as a young OG, which some may think is an oxymoron, because it's like, how are you young, and then how are you also an OG, which is um, an original gangster, or, you know, someone that's like an elder, but um, that's what he is, because he falls in that in-between category, and not only does he fall within that category with his music, because he's been out for a very long time, but he falls into that category with his fashion as well. Again, there have been plenty of, you know, social media Posts or pictures that I've seen of him in these traditional old school, um, whether it's jerseys or um, Columbia jackets, like the goose down puffy jackets, and he still makes it youthful and young by pairing it with, you know, I don't know, it may be the sneakers that he's wearing or it may be the shirt that's underneath, but he finds a way to make it relevant to what's currently going on today. And again, as um, as um, Gene Chewy said also, it, it's about finding that balance where you make one audience happy while keeping the other happy as well. And I think um, I think that these dad brands are starting to get a better understanding and grasp of that, which is why they've become so popular. And I'm not sure about you, but I know for me, where I go, when I go out places and the people that I follow and the different um, crowds that I'm around, Everyone wears dad hats now. Like, that is a thing. So, at one point, it was the trucker hats. At another point, it was fitteds. Then another point, it was snapbacks. Like, a hat, like the back of the hat had to snap. But now, it is definitely dad hats. The, the hats that kind of have that, like, 
buckle thing in the back that lets you adjust the size um it's like a cap but it's a little more fitted not as structured that's that's a huge thing right now and that's another reason why i wanted to talk about the dad brand because i know the popularity of the dad hat um there are so many different variations of dad hats some are plain some people find you know different cool things to to stitch on them or to print on them that cater to the youth again so again it's looking at this culture I'm looking at how things are changing and how the youth is tapping into um, some of these styles that necessarily weren't as popular and giving them a life of its own, making them popular and giving them um, like a second wind in a way, giving like revitalizing them and making them new, making them current again. Um, some other, some other. Um, Companies aside from, I know we talked a lot about Supreme, um, which I feel as though is one of the most prominent, but there have been lots of other streetwear um, brands that have participated in these sort of collaborations like the Stussy, Woodwood, and A-Life, just to name a few. Um, and then I think it's, I want to read something also that Marshall Cohen, who is the chief retail analyst at NPD Group, said, also about this whole new phase and new wind of the dad brands. He says that the targeted older generation is in replenish mode, only purchasing when the current apparel wears out, thus forming a slower cycle. The younger generation is in the building mode, so they're in a faster purchasing frequently cycle. Now, I wanted to bring that up because, um, for a few reasons. One, I do agree that the gener that the that the younger generation that they have more of they they purchase things at, at a faster pace than older generations, and I don't know if it's because they're necessarily building their wardrobe that they'll eventually use as they get older, and then they won't purchase as much, or if they're still finding themselves. And um, I want to say it's more so the latter than the former. I think the younger generation is still trying to find who they are, what they like, why they like it, and. They're just at a space and stage where they're just looking to have fun, especially when it comes to fashion and expressing yourself. Because how you look is a representation of you, your personality, and how you choose to present yourself to the world. Um, now, I found that interesting because um, Mr. Cohen says they're currently in the building mode. And I found it interesting, too, because going back to Ms. what Mr. Tree said about these brands you know creating something for the younger generation while also creating something that caters to their loyal fan base the one catered to the newer generation is a little more trendy it's definitely more current and relevant to what's currently going on which doesn't always translate into it being timeless classic pieces now what mr cohen is saying about the younger generation building on it i don't necessarily know if i agree because Again, I think that the younger generation, they're looking for what's going on right now. So while these brands are finding success and catering to the younger urban audience, I think it's because of it's what's going on now and not necessarily that the younger generation see these brands, see these quote-unquote dad brands as something that they're going to hold on to forever. But to play devil advocate, to play devil's advocate and to play both sides because that's what I have to do here. I have to have honest, genuine conversations here. Um, I do think what their mindset is with doing this is to create customer loyalty. So while drawing them into what's trendy and what's relevant today, I think it's 
the overall um the overall the end goal of it all is to create customer loyalty to create brand loyalty so as they get older and as they do be become a, a a dad and are looking for quote-unquote dad brands they'll have this nostalgia of these brands that they wore when they were younger and they didn't necessarily realize what these brands perpetuated or that what these brands stood for in regards to um showcasing what it means to be a quote-unquote man or older man or a dad but again having that nostalgia and going back to the memories back in their head and those experience that they had buying the things that catered to them when they're young it it's it's very psychological because then it's like they were catering to me when I was young and now they still are catering to me today as I am older as I am a dad as my responsibilities and needs my fashion needs have changed as well so I think that's what the overall messages not necessarily that they're trying to use these dad brands to to build the foundation of their closet but i think again it's more so is that um it's relevant to what's going on right now and this is how they feel right now and they want to express themselves right now now let's look at some of these stats um i know to start off i did talk about the stats of north face which was um the earnings was equivalent to $75 billion in 2014. Um, in 2015, Columbia's revenue increased by 11% to $2.33 billion, while VF Corporation, which owns North Face, East Park, and Vans, all of those brands signify streetwear. Again, not necessarily black African-American, because that's what is perpetuated to us, but streetwear, so the urban areas, skater community, community basketball community, um, football they were estimated at um 12.4 billion dollars in sales and they also do own wrangler and seven for all mankind so you kind of get an understanding of what brands are within their umbrella and what type of products they create now interesting enough this article while this article talked about catering to the youth and catering to urban to um urban community this article provides a great juxtaposition by stating another case study an example of a company that catered to this particular demographic but however found as though it wasn't as profitable and that company is Timberland now when I was growing up everyone had Tim's you had the constructs which are the typical construction boots that they have that come in the tan wheat color um they came in also black which was a huge staple so it's like you either had the tan ones or you had the tan and black ones and then there was also another style i'm not sure what it's actually called but we called it beef and broccolis because they were brown and green and then they also came in that tan color and green that was chicken and broccolis so as you can see like me i can speak for myself growing up in jersey city timberlands was a huge 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 part of our our outfit how we dressed, how we presented ourselves. We wore them to school. We wore them outside of school. There's a certain way that you had to take care of them to make sure you didn't get any water stains or that, you know, things that you did to make sure that the tongue wouldn't hang down after the leather kind of wore out a little. It was it was a lot. Um, but it definitely is, again, it was definitely a staple in our wardrobe. Um, and the article talks about how Timberland was acquired by VF Corporation, which we just mentioned in 2011. But... Um, the, it says the, the, um, sorry, it says that the brand actually, the revenue fell from 
$5.7 billion in 2006 to $1.29 billion in 2009. So over three years, the brand actually fell, so it began to lose profits and lose sales. And the article states it was because they kind of pigeonholed themselves to this particular demographic and this particular audience, this particular group of people. Um, which makes it interesting, too, as to what these brands like North Face and Columbia and Penfield are going to do, how they how they balance it out. And I think that goes back to, again, what Mr. Tree said about catering to the audience, the, the this new demographic, the youth, the urban culture, while also maintaining your core audience, the ones that are spending and the ones that continue to spend because those are the ones that spend the most. So already from this article, we see that it's important to cater to um, what's currently going on, what's trendy, what's relevant, but it's still also important to continue to do the things that keep the company afloat, that are working. You don't want to abandon that because if you put all your eggs in one basket, as Timbaland kind of did, you see that it didn't necessarily work. Now, don't get me wrong. One billion dollars is a lot of money. I would take it in a heartbeat and would not complain. But again, when it comes to business, we know that there's a lot more that goes into it because you have to think about cost, uh, production cost, um, return on investment, employees, um, a, a lot of advertising, marketing, um, storefronts, all these other things. So when you hear about the about that sort of loss, don't think like, oh, that's nothing. It's it's all right. It's a it's a lot of logistics that goes into it. Um, and then the last thing that this article talked about, and this is where we're really going to talk about hip hop, um, right now is the article. Um, so John D. Leon, who is the senior menswear editor at WGSN talks about the influence of streetwear and urban culture and then ties it into drug dealer culture in New York as well. So he said there's a little bit of seediness to it in terms of drug dealer culture in New York. If you're going to work the corner all day, you want to be in a comfortable pair of sneakers and you and you want to have something that will keep you warm. Now, initially when I heard this, I was... I, I don't want to say I no I was offended. Initially when I read when I read this article, I was a little offended that automatically it um talks of drug deal culture got brought into it because again as I mentioned earlier, the media um perpetuates this idea of black African American when they say streetwear, when they say urban um those are words that they use to kind of try to sugarcoat it or to be politically correct, but we all know what they mean. But um when Mr. De, De Leon said this, I I was offended because when I think about what I see within my community, it's not automatically drug dealer culture. Granted, you know, I do know that New York City was definitely a different different time and different place before I existed. Um I know that I only know the current New York City, so the New York City of you know, the late 90s, because that's when, you know, I was a kid, and that's when I actually started coming to New York. So I know that it wasn't, doesn't look how Times Square looks. Um, the village didn't look how it looked then. Like, I understand that it was different, but again, automatically assuming or just jumping into the drug deal culture when you say streetwear, it, it's bothersome because, again, streetwear and urban means a lot of, uh, it encompasses a lot of different cultures and a lot of different fashions. So urban is just, 
it's supposed to mean city life. It's supposed to mean the opposite of places that are very rural and suburban where you're not as closely surrounded by or around, you know, um, buildings or a lot of, you know, civilization. There's not a lot that's going on. Things are a little more remote. It's supposed to mean things that are like, you know, city life, busy. There's so many different things happening. It's a smorgasbord of different cultures, different races, ethnicities, and all this other stuff. And again, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, when I hear streetwear, I think a lot of different things. I definitely think of skateboard culture. I think of hip-hop. I think of basketball, because there are a lot of basketball courts. I think about football culture because there are a lot of football um, stadiums and football fields. So I think about a lot of different things. So for it to go back, to, for for him to say drug deal culture, it was just bothersome because to me it seems as though streetwear is automatically being tied into drug deal culture, which is automatically tied back into black, African-American, Latino, um, people that are of brown color and races and um i think about what's currently going on in hip-hop with most recently one of the most notice notable things being um the shooting that happened at urban plaza um involving a few rappers i won't say their names because it's it's still a lot going on in their um uh you know someone lost their life unfortunately someone is hurt and someone is currently facing some jail time and this isn't what this podcast is about again it's about exploring issue um issues and topics within fashion but again it just it it seemed like another way of reinforcing this negative negative stereotype that's within hip-hop and hip-hop being violent but it seems like it's okay when it's profitable. So, again, this is where I'm trying to make the connection. So, again, Mr. DeLeon talks about, um, you know, drug dealer culture and people being on the corner. You want to be comfortable because, you know, you're working the corner. You want to be warm because you're outside working the corner. And, again, it just perpetuates this negative stereotype of a certain type of person, even though he doesn't say it. But, again, just how... The media has conditioned and trained us. You kind of are automatically have an idea of what this person looks like. You already know their silhouette. You already know their profile. It seems as though, you know, again, there's a negative connotation of being a drug dealer. And we always hear in the media and being bombarded about hip-hop is like this. And it's so violent, so dangerous. However, once it comes to profitability and um, these brands finding like, oh, hey, we can target them because not only do they need this, but they're also the ones that are the trendsetters. They're the ones that get people onto this new wave, onto this new way of living, onto this new style, onto this new newfound fashion. And um, we see it a lot because look at some of the people that are promoting these dad brands or look at some of the artists that are really out there pushing that whole outerwear you know old tommy hill figure columbia jackets again you have people like fabulous you have like kanye west you have asap mob um you have Pusha T, you have Pharrell, you know, you have all these different people that are projecting and pushing these dad brands forward and when you look at them you know there, there's a common, there's a commonality, there's a common thread, and again, just looking at what, just looking and processing what Mr. DeLeon said about drug dealer culture, and again, having that negative stamp on it, but then it getting a positive approval and stamp because 
well, it's bringing in money. That's something that bothered me, and that's something, again, where I saw the connection between the two worlds that I currently live in, two worlds that I see often collide and come together as one to create great, 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 amazing things. Um, I just found that really, really interesting. And, yeah, it just made me really think a lot about who's actually projecting these dad brands forward who are the actual brand ambassadors for some of these dad brands and how do they look at these ambassadors are they just profitable assets are they assets because of their innovation and creativity or the way that they think or are they brand ambassadors because it's hot for the moment and it's currently what's popping and sorry to say i feel like it is definitely the latter i feel as though um it's great now because it's working. It's great now because they're pushing things forward. Um, but it, it seems like eventually down the line in a few years, once things shift again, they're going to go back to that 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 um, projection that Mr. DeLeon said of the quote-unquote drug dealer culture in New York. Um, yeah, and that's just something to think about for this week. I know there's a lot that we talked about. Um, so we talked about the dad brands. We talked about how dad brands are both are dabbling in, in two different, you know, within two different demographics. So they're targeting the youth and they're targeting their current, um, their current consumer, which is great because it shows that traditional companies are embracing change and understand that things can't always be the same as they were. Um, we see them embracing millennial culture millennial fashion and finding a way to make it work we also talked about profitability and how some brands found success in catering to the youth and urban youth while others actually ended up being pigeon held because they catered to them a little too much and put themselves in the box when it comes to the type of products that they create and who it is catered to we spoke about uh, defining what streetwear and urban even means and we also talked about this whole um, concept and idea of um, these dad brands, fashion, and hip-hop, and how they're all intertwined, especially when it, in regards to who the target consumer is, who the brand ambassadors are, and um, if, if these brands find it okay to target them because they're spending money, although they might not fully embrace them and might just look at them as quote-unquote drug dealing culture. culture. Um, we talked about a lot, and I'm stringing these things together because not only was it in the article, but it, like they just all seem like they have common themes. Um, and I do just want to say, just because I mentioned that, I mentioned one person's statement, it doesn't reflect the other people's statements that I mentioned, nor does it reflect um, the business of fashion and um, their perspective on these things. But again, these are thought pieces, pieces that are supposed to make you think, pieces that are supposed to make you have the conversation and discussions that we have here on Seems Real and talk about it and figure out, you know, what is really going on in fashion. Um, 
we often see things on a surface level and don't go beyond the surface um similar to the whole analogy of the iceberg where you just see the the, the iceberg that's above the water but you don't necessarily see what's underneath the water how far it spans how deep it is the damage that it does and i think this week's episode is a perfect example of that iceberg within fashion and what's actually beneath the water what's beneath the surface and how it's hindering us, how it's uh, penetrating us, how um, it just changes our entire course. So, that's our time. I know I'm a little over. I try to keep these things to no more than half an hour because I know it's a lot of information to take in. Um, and it's just me talking, so I don't want to bore you too much with just it being me. Um, and I do, do just want it to be something that you can listen to during the day and, you know, get some quick insight, some um, quick information about what's going on um, as you go through your day. But um, I'll, I'll leave you at that because right now we're at about almost, I want to say, 40 or so minutes. Are we? Yeah, we're we're like at a little over 40 minutes. So, okay, that is that for this week. Thank you so much for listening and for listening every week. I do truly appreciate it. And every episode that I do, I enjoy this more and more because um, I know we're having great conversations. We're talking about a lot of things that people aren't talking about, and I think it's awesome. So definitely in the comments, comment your thoughts your opinions if you think i am crazy if you think that i'm making connections where there is no connection let's talk about it also feel free to repost and share this with others that you feel as though need to hear these things or others that are really into fashion as well and want to have these conversations if you are listening to this on itunes feel free to rate this your ratings your comments your engagement lets me know what you like to hear what don't you like to hear ways that I can improve and make this platform and make my voice on here our voice and make sure that we're being heard and also that we're listening to each other so again thank you so much for tuning in and for listening if you haven't listened to the past episodes definitely go back and listen to them and I will talk to you guys next week bye